0: Hi, I'm Ibasta and welcome to my podcast, Lessons of an Aspiring Entrepreneur. When talking with other people new to business like myself, this question has come up a couple of times. How do you know what to charge? This has always been tricky for me. Do I charge hourly or per assignment? Do I charge what everyone else is charging? My prices when I was just starting out are very different from what they are now almost two years in. And there are seven considerations I have made in growing my prices that have really helped me. Number one, experience. I charged $40 for my first logo in April 2015. It included four variations and the client could choose whichever they wanted and make as many changes as needed. I didn't have much for a portfolio of my work, so I wanted to compensate my client for the trust they were putting in me without being very sure about how I would be able to perform. I have done many logos since then, so I've gained more experience and technical education. I have learned what people are generally looking for when it comes to their design, so I can add more value to my work and with additional training, I can create a higher quality design, which all has had an impact on my price. Number two, customer response. I quickly moved up from the $40 logo design because the response I was getting was, oh, that's it? Every time I heard it, it would sting because that told me that I could have made more money. In economics, there is the market price. This is the sweet spot for pricing for both the buyer and the seller. At $40, my buyer was satisfied, but I was not. I didn't like the idea of being seen as cheap, but I also feared about being seen as overpriced. I steadily increased the quote until I was consistently getting response from clients where they felt the price was fair instead of a bargain. Number three, overhead. A common assumption is that running my business is free it is just me and my laptop so people figure how many expenses can i possibly have well for starters (laughs) the laptop is over two thousand dollars though it is the type of purchase i shouldn't have to make again for a while my capacity to make it at all is based on my sales i have recurring expenses like annual fees for my web hosting website security and business license I have monthly fees for my business insurance, Google, QuickBooks, Adobe Creative Cloud, and other subscriptions that help me manage my business. Then there are more organic expenses like advertising, virtual assistants, marketing materials, trainings and tools. Sometimes I get a client request that is outside of the scope of my technical ability, so I have to hire contractors. I can work from Jamba Juice, yes, but there are still many costs to running Impressions by Joe at the level I would like your business will have expenses as well. The ideal situation is that the money you earn from sales is not just enough to cover the expenses, but to make a profit, a profit you can use for growing your business and eventually living the life you want. Number four, customer behavior. At the logo price of $90 with a $75 deposit, I had two clients that could not afford to pay me the remaining balance of $15 for over four months. Those experiences taught me that at a certain price point, I was attracting people who were not very serious about the investment they were making in their business. It is my personal opinion that money is a way to quantify effort. Therefore, I find that people who are willing to commit to a higher price point are coming with integrity and intention that was oftentimes not present when people were paying less than $100. Another behavior I noticed was a lack of thoughtfulness regarding my time. When I first started, I never had any revision restrictions because usually I would be able to complete things within two or three drafts. However, I had one client who requested 17 revisions after already approving the design over and over again. I realized that I had to set a standard for myself based on a principle. I introduced fees for any revisions requested after the project was finished, no matter how small. This helped mitigate indecisiveness and allowed me to protect my time. Number five, personal satisfaction. I saw a huge benefit to the phase of my business where I was working it as a side hustle. My main expenses were already taken care of, so I had the flexibility to charge whatever I wanted. I was able to quickly acquire experience. Since my business wasn't my main source of income, I had the room to experiment instead of having to worry about making sure I made enough sales to keep my business afloat. I wish I spent more time stabilizing my business in this phase before transitioning it into being my main source of income. My advice is instead of worrying about what everybody else is charging, consider where you are in life currently while being mindful of where you want to go and charge what will make you feel personally satisfied. The experience with the indecisive client from earlier resulted in me feeling very overextended and taught me that this was not something I wanted for myself in the future. I experimented with a revision limit for designs for a while, but then I decided to increase the price to a point where I feel comfortable being retained for unlimited revisions. 6. Sales Skills Have you ever saw a commercial for a product or service and thought, that is way too much money for the quality? You may be right in your opinion, but a TV commercial is not cheap, so the seller must be doing something right regardless of the fact that the product is not the greatest. This reminds me of a quote by Matthew Hussey that really resonated with me. He said, a better marketer can often beat out a better talent. Sales is not so much about getting people to pay the price you want, as it is about getting people to see the value in what you are selling and agree that it is worth the price you want. Better scenario, it's worth to them even more than what you want. Some people are great salesmen, but for me, the idea of trying to convince someone to buy from me made me extremely uncomfortable. It still kind of does, but again, it's not about getting them to buy. It is about getting them to appreciate the value of what I'm offering. If you feel ingenuine when you are selling, then when you communicate with prospective customers, they will feel like they're being sold on something. No one likes that. It's why we avoid most kiosks in the mall. You want the conversation to feel like you are trying to help this person with their problem. One thing I did that really helped me develop this skill is I found someone who had a selling style that I felt comfortable emulating. I made notes about their methods and the language they used to sell their products and started implementing them in my own business. Finally, number seven, your perfect life. When I first started Impressions by Joe, my goal was to be able to work anywhere in the world. I wanted my life to have flexibility. That would not be possible for me at $40 for a logo, so I had to grow. As I develop a reliable way to consistently bring money in, I consider how many projects would I need to live the life I want. This process is called reverse engineering. Think of where you ultimately want to end up in excruciating detail. Where do you want your business to be? How do you want your life to be? What daily routines do you want to implement? What things would you like to do monthly, annually? How much is it going to cost for you to do those things? Once you've figured out your end result, then you work your way backwards. What do you need to do to get your business to that point? How much money do you need to make? Do you need to increase your prices? Maybe you need to make larger bulk order investments in order to lower the cost per item. Maybe you need to invest more in marketing or professional branding. These are all things you need to figure out for yourself based on your own goals. As an entrepreneur, your goal doesn't need to be to become rich. It should be to access the life that you want. That does not necessarily require millions of dollars. So figure out your own roadmap to your success. There is a saying, the customer is always right. I think that has developed a sense of entitlement for some shoppers. They may try to haggle with you on your prices, inform you that they could buy the same thing somewhere else cheaper. I was accused once of being money-hungry because a client felt I was charging them for something they felt that they deserved for free, but in that moment, I had to maintain my standard. We live in a free market economy. Everyone may not be able to shop with you, and there is nothing wrong with that. They have to do what's best for them, and you have to do what is best for you. You have goals, so you cannot allow your fear of disappointing others hinder you from achieving them. I don't say any of this to mean that you should be rigid, but I want to encourage you to set your price on your own terms. Don't let fear pressure you into selling yourself short. Networking within your field is a great tool for you as you grow. If you significantly outgrow your customer's price point, you may have met someone you can recommend them to with a comparable product within their budget. This allows you to maintain a positive relationship with your previous customers, even if they can't afford you anymore. As a small business owner, people are going to buy into you first, so give your best self uninhibited. Well, that's it. My seven considerations for naming my price. My experience level, how my customers respond to hearing my price, my business expenses, the behaviors of my current customers, my personal satisfaction, my sales skills, and the life I want for me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this podcast. What are some other considerations you make in naming your price? Leave your comments on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash impressions by Joe, J-O. Thank you so much for listening. Be courageous and be resilient.